So say, we are. You know, our hearts long for more than just doing some religious things in life. Our hearts long more uh, for things that have a lasting impact, things that matter, communities that we're a part of that are actually a part of our lives. I think one of the saddest things that I've, I've experienced is there was one morning I woke up and, I, and, and it was several, several years ago, but I was like, I don't really have any deep friendships. <laughs> like everybody's on the surface and my, who I would consider my best friend, I don't think considered me as his best friend. <laughs> it's like everything was on the surface. We have this desire for meaning. We want to, be, we want to have purpose. We want to be needed by others. And we want to know that our lives make a difference. And I want to invite you over these next several weeks to take a deep dive into the roots of our church, to understand the difference that you can make. And I want to help you see the power just in these, these several weeks. I want to help you see the power that God has placed inside of you to be a part of a community, to be a part of the bride of Christ, to be a part of the mission of God here on earth. Our big statement for today, the one thing, if you're taking anything away from the message today, I want you to take this statement, and it's this. You are called by God. Say that with me. You are called by God. Now look at the person next to you in the row and point at them and say, you are called by God. Yeah, it kind of gets a little, uh, but you are, you're called by God. Our text for today is going to come from the book of Ephesians. Chapter 4, verse 1. And this text is being written by a guy named Paul, who was an apostle, which means he was a person who had a face-to-face encounter and interaction with Jesus that led him into a place where he started continuing the work of Jesus on earth, first-generation style. That's, what, that's basically what the apostles mean, the disciples of Jesus. Paul was a different apostle in that he didn't travel with Jesus and go place to place with him when Jesus was on earth. Jesus appeared to Paul after he ascended back into heaven. So Paul is on this road and Jesus appears to him and speaks with him. And from that moment, Paul became this church father, planting churches, writing to churches, all the way up through Europe and in different parts of Asia, Paul had this massive impact, and over half of the New Testament, the second part of the Bible, was written by this guy named Paul. And this book of Ephesians was written to a specific church, the church in Ephesus, to the Ephesian people. And when he wrote this, he was in jail. He was in jail. He was in prison, in a Roman prison. And so what could be like a treatise or a begging the church to help bail him out it was not this depressing letter it was this encouraging letter from a guy in prison have you ever gotten a thank you note or gotten something from somebody who you know was going through hell and you were like I can't believe they took the time to encourage me that's kind of how this goes and Paul writes these words starting In verse number one of chapter four, the year is about year 61. Paul says these words, therefore I, a prisoner serving from the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. 
Read those last words with me, starting with four. For you have been called by God. I believe everything in the Bible, in one way or another, can be lived out. And this scripture specifically, I want to encourage you. Some of you don't feel like you're called to shovel stuff in a barn. Some of you feel like you, you are just here sucking air. And I want to encourage you. You are called by God. And not only I want to encourage you, like Paul said in this passage, he starts out and he says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. He's emotional about this. Like, when's the last time you begged for something? Think about it. I'm not, I'm not talking about like begging the kids to finally go to bed after the, the New Year's Eve ball dropped, you know. But when was the last time you begged for anything? Paul is writing this letter to the church, and he's not begging for a release from prison. He's not begging for his favorite food to be delivered. He's not begging for anything for himself. He's begging these people emotionally. He's begging to live a life worthy of what God's called them to. So you were created to do something significant. You were created. Whoever you are, nobody is left out. You are called by God to do something that matters. Now, you may not be quite sure what that is. But let me tell you, you're called by God. I don't know what you've been called before in your life. My name is Nathan Paul Dry, and to this day, there are two people who know me that call me Nathan. It's my mom and my wife. People who don't know me and call me Nathan just don't know me. Everybody else calls me Nate or Nate Dog. That was like in, my, in, in the N-A-T-E-D-O-G days in the 90s, okay? Okay. Okay, so. I got to watch it, yeah. There's two people that call me Nathan, my wife and my mom. People that don't talk to me very much call me Nathan. When I, when I call whoever, like in business, you know, I call T-Mobile and, and I'm wanting to like ask them why they're charging me a fee or something. They call me, oh, Mr. Dry, or oh, hi, who am I speaking with? This Nate, Nate Dry. Oh, hello, Nathan P. Dry. How are you? you know. But there's one thing I've been called that to this day sends chills up my spine. When all three of my names are used at the same time by my mother, I don't care how old you get. You kind of got, you just kind of got to watch, watch the digestive system because Nathan Paul Dry, like, like it's real. It's real in my head. Uh-oh, I'm in for it. I don't know what you've been called. I don't know what all three or four or five of your names in succinct order, calls you to feel. I don't know what your nickname is. I don't know what people at work call you. But here's what I know. I know that when God calls you, I, I know that we need a bigger imagination for what that means. We, we need a big imagination for what being called by God means because it's more, it's more than about God just getting our attention. When Paul says, you have been called by God, it's about more than just getting your attention. Or making a name for yourself. When Paul says you are called by God, 
it's a calling about who you are before what you do. Because what does Paul say in this thing? He says, I, a prisoner serve the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Beg you to lead a what? A life. You're called to a life. You're called to a state of being. You have been called by God. And your calling by God is about who you are before what you do. Calling by God is about who we are before what we do. Will you read that with me? Calling is about who we are before what we do. Paul said to this, Paul said this to one of his protégés in 2 Timothy. He was talking to Timothy, the pastor. He says, for God called us, God saved us and called us to live a holy life. God called us to what? Live. Live. He called us to live. What did he call us to live? A holy life. Gosh, some of you, some, some of you, I just feel it. You've been wondering, like, what's the purpose of life and should I even continue doing it? You should, because God's called you to live. God's called you to live. He's called you to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. So, who are you called to be? Who are you called to be? What is your life called? Like, who is God calling you to be? What person? Who are you going to become? Comes way before what you're going to do. Because what you do in life flows out of who you are. Being comes first. That's the order. And we seem to get these mix-ups. We humans, we naturally gravitate to what we're going to do before we think about who we're, who we're going to be. And, and, it's, and it's normal because that starts in childhood. What's the, one of the one questions you remember as you're growing up, especially when you're graduating from high school, people, people would ask you, what are you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you grow up? I'm going to be a missionary to India. I'm going to be a third grade teacher. I'm going to be a professional gamer. I'm going to be an underwater basket weaver. You know, we think of all these things that we're going to do. When I was a kid, I said that I wanted to be a trash truck guy so I could ride on the back of the truck all day long. And later, I changed it to I want to be an astronaut. And then later, I changed it to I want to be a lawyer. And then it was I want to be a musician. And then it was, oh, God, don't make me preach. And <laughs> here we are. But who are you? We, don't, we may ask our kids, what are you going to be when you grow up or who you're going to be? But the intention is always around the doing. What are you going to do that matters? What are you going to do? So much so that we attach our worth to what we do. And Paul is clearly saying, not only in the first text we looked at, but in this one in 2 Timothy, God's called you to live a life. This life is to be holy before him. Paul's telling Timothy, God called you to live a life holy. What does holy mean? It means set apart. Holy doesn't mean perfect, by the way. Holy, for, for, it's, it's, not about, it's not about this perfection or this, this unblemished thing. Holy means this set apart thing, different from normal. Holy actually has its root in the word being whole, complete. God's called you to live a complete life. 
not a life that, that turns away and ignores things and pretends that they don't happen. Not a life that puts on a mask and says, this fantasy life is not my life. Not a life that, that just stiff arms grief. You're not holy. This whole life means that you're not driven by the things that humans are naturally driven by because you've been set apart by God, called by Jesus, infused with the power of God's spirit to live this holy life. You know what I find funny? I find it funny that when we look at scripture, I have yet to find a verse that tells me how to figure out what I'm supposed to do in my career. I can't find one. I can't find a verse in Scripture that is giving us the down low on, on what my calling or my career choice should be. The Bible talks about your calling, but that is always attached to becoming like Jesus, being holy, set apart. It's always who you are before what you do. Honestly, I think we could, we could all be doing the same different thing or the same thing for a job and it really comes down to who we are in Christ. I'm not saying that what we do doesn't matter. What I'm saying is that who we are drives what we do. So when you recognize that you're called by God, a better question is who is God calling me to become? Maybe just sit there and think about that question for a second. Who is God calling you to be? What are the things that he's speaking in you? What are the things that he's spoken over you? What are the things in scripture that drive us and align us with what God's purpose is for our life? Who is it that God wants me to be? Because if my calling is only about doing what I do, then this life is going to get really, really confusing. If it's only about what we do, life is going to have so much conflict and so much confusion. Let me unpack that a minute. I'm going to ask you a question, and I'd love for you to participate with yes or no answers or, or something like that. And I'm going to use myself as an example. It's going to be pretty vulnerable, so be kind, okay? If you can't find yourself being kind, then just keep your mouth shut. But I'm going to be pretty vulnerable here. I believe obviously, that, that God has a calling on my life to be a pastor. If you've seen that evident in my life, say, yeah, God's called you to be a pastor. Yeah, okay, thank you. Now, don't hurt my feelings here. I know some of you are probably like, well, you could be a better pastor. I agree. I certainly could. But here's the problem with being called to be a pastor. If I'm just called to what I'm supposed to do, see, back, back in the early 2000s, I fell in love with this girl. Her name's Shauna. Shauna Nana, as I call her. Shauna Nana. She loves when I talk about her. I fell in love with this girl, and and being a husband is a totally different skill set than being a pastor. Yeah. I recently said to my wife, "Well, that doesn't sound like a me problem. That sounds like a you problem." I, I, I thought that I had, I'm, I'm at this about 20 years, I thought I had the stamina to withstand that stupid, I did not. Not a good thing to say, boys. 
being a pastor and being a husband, it's two different things. What am I called to be? What am I called to do? So when my wife says, hey, we need to talk, that's code for let's get ready to argue it out. And let's say during that moment when she goes, we need to talk, I say, you know what? I feel the spirit leading. We need to have an altar call right now. Everybody raise your hands who wants to follow Jesus. You know, that's, that gets confused if I'm just called to be a pastor. And, to, and that's a stupid example, right? But let's add some more confusion. Been married for about 19 years now. Been a pastor for about 20. Balance those callings in the right settings. And on a good day, as a husband, my wife can't keep her hands off of me. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about loving I'm talking about kissing. Oh, yeah. She can't keep her hands off me. And on a good day, she kisses me a lot, doesn't she, Lucy, my daughter? And because of biology, now we have kids. And now, not only am I a husband and a pastor, now I'm a dad. And I can't be a preacher when I need to be a husband. It's not effective. And I can't be a dad like I'm a husband. That's disturbing and weird. And none of you but Shauna want me to be your husband. That's weird preaching if I'm trying to talk to you like you're my wife. Like if we're just called to what we're supposed to do, can you see how it can get confusing? No, there's something greater at hand than just what we're doing. And what I hope you're seeing here isn't confusion but actually clarity. And I hope you can see it in your own life that who you are is way more important than what you do. Who you are is way more important than what you do. Because what you do flows from who you are. In other words, if I'm called to be a preacher, but I'm not living for Jesus, and I've not submitted to him and living a life set apart for him, then I'm not able to fulfill my call in this life. If I don't love my wife, but I'm successful at being a preacher, I'm not fulfilling God's design for me. If I'm a great preacher and I work really, really hard and preach really fantastic messages, but my kids only see me when I'm on a platform preaching, I'm not fulfilling a calling that God has put on my life. What I'm doing is I'm neglecting my family. I'm not pursuing my calling. And if I'm neglecting my family or if I'm abusing our time together, I'm not fulfilling who God has called me to be. And we see this happen. We see this happen all the time when someone in a position of authority, some charismatic leader, is unable to keep their word with the people that they love. We see it every time some, some leader or some pastor has a secret life that is exposed. We see the grief and the pain, and that person isn't fulfilling the calling when they live the double life. And it's, it's filled with grief and sadness. And it's not just pastors and preachers who are faced with this opportunity to live double lives. Every single one of us can live a double life. See, calling, and this is going to come up on the screen, calling isn't about something important you do in the future. 
calling is about your faithfulness to Jesus today. Some of you have this calling or you feel that God's called you to do something great. And let, let me encourage you. You are called by God. You are called by God. Absolutely. But you're not called by God so that you can be important in your eyes or in the eyes of anybody else. Your calling is to faithfulness in Jesus. It's about who you are today, not just about what you think you're going to do in the future. And if you're called to preach the gospel today, if you're called to preach the gospel and be, be, be this missionary or be this person, if you're called to be a millionaire, if you're, whatever the future may hold, if you're called to something but you can't get a hold of the basic life things that God has called you to be today, you may be holding on to what is not God's calling. God's calling always starts here in the now. He's called you to be a certain person. He's called you to live a life. Paul says it this way in Colossians. In whatever you do, say whatever. whatever. You know what the Greek word for whatever means? Whatever. That's what it means. In whatever you do or say or say or type. Do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. We're going to open up these altars for everybody who has a Facebook account right now. <laughs> Giving thanks through him to God, our Father. James and John, disciples of Jesus, they asked Jesus' favor in Mark chapter 10. It goes a little something like this. All this stuff has been happening. Jesus is get, getting famous. Like, people are traveling from long distances to see and be around Jesus. And he, he's drawing a crowd. And James and John see the fame. They see the recognition. They see the influence. And they say this to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, can, can, can you arrange it so that when, when, when we get there, like when this, the places of honor are there, that we're sitting beside you, like, we, we want to, want, James can be on the left and I can be on the right. We want to be seen as important as you is basically what they were saying. We want to be, whatever you're doing, we want to be a part of it. Now that seems pretty good. Like whatever you're doing, Jesus, we want to be a part of it. But this whole place of honor thing kind of shows their motive in a big disturbing kind of way. And Jesus gives them a pretty good talking to. He says things to them like, you know what? You don't even know what you're asking. You, you think you can drink from the same cup of suffering that I'm going to be drinking from? Then he looks at him and he says, you know what, come to think of it, you, you're, you are going to drink from the cup of suffering. But it's God the Father's job to exalt and to honor. That's not my job. That's what Jesus said. It's not my job to exalt you and to honor you. That's God the Father's job. You don't even know what you're asking. And then he gave the disciples these words. He said, you've observed, starting in Mark chapter 10 and verse 32. He says these words. When the other, uh, da, 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 you've observed how godless, no, it's there, it's there, put it back. Third row, third line in. You've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around. And when people get a little power, how quickly it goes to their heads. You've seen that, right? When people get power, how it just goes to their heads. Think safety monitor and and and. and grade school, okay? That guy. 
It's not going to be that way with you. Whoever wants to be great must become what? A servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That's what the Son of Man has done. He has come to serve, not to be served. And then to give away his life as an exchange for many who are held hostage. Are you called to be a leader? Are you called to be an influencer? The way of Jesus says to become a servant. If you're called to do something great, start in the way of Jesus. By laying down your ego and laying down your motives and laying down your self-centered goals. I don't say self-centered in a, like a derogatory or condescending way. Like we all center our goals around things we want. It's normal. But the way of Jesus, the calling of God, it goes against our normal. So that's Mark chapter 10. And then Mark chapter 11, we have in the, this very next chapter, Jesus and his disciples are approaching Jerusalem. And it's, it's coming up on this time of, of Holy Week where we know it pretty well. Passover, um, the Palm Sunday, triumphal entry, leads to the crucifixion, but the disciples don't really have all that context going on in their heads. They see the people who are following Jesus. We get to Mark chapter 11, and as Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. The Bible doesn't say that the two that Jesus sent ahead of them were James and John, but in my imagination, I so want it to be James and John. That's just, I just really want it to be James and John. These guys who said, let us sit in the place of honor on your right and on your left. They're being sent ahead in front of everybody else. This is going to be an important job. Jesus, what do you want us to do? Cast out demons? Call down God's judgment fire on the Roman guards as we enter the city? Pilate's coming in from Caesarea. Do you want, do you want us to go out and to do like the force thing on Pilate's? What's this big job that you have? Starting in verse 2, here's, what, here's the job Jesus has. Go to that village over there. As soon as you enter it, you're going to see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. And tie it and bring it here. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say the Lord needs it and we'll return it soon. Donkey patrol. Donkey patrol. That's the job. Go ahead. Go in front. Go before us. Find that donkey. But not just any donkey. He's got specific instructions. If you're going to be a good leader, a good influencer, glory, fame, recognition, following Jesus, what are you going to do when he gives you donkey patrol? How are you going to react? When it's just not as prestigious as you thought it was going to be. I go back to Paul's words in Colossians 3, and whatever you do, whether it's in word or in deed, do it to the glory of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. See, these two disciples are learning a very important lesson. The lesson is this. The size of your calling never determines the significance of your impact. The size of your calling, what you are called to do, what God instructs you to do, it never determines the size of your impact. David, a shepherd boy, protecting the sheep. Small stone takes down a huge giant. Little boy at a, 
at an afternoon preaching camp meeting. Gives his lunch to Jesus, fish and bread. Jesus takes this little boy's lunch, this obedience, and he feeds thousands. A widow woman with no money gives to Jesus what she has in an offering. Gives in church that day what she has in an offering. And Jesus said, she will be called the most generous. They will tell her story for the rest of our days. Whatever you are called to do will come out of who you are. And if it's donkey patrol, don't lose heart. Because you may just be fulfilling some kind of prophecy. See, hundreds of years before, in the, in the book of Zechariah, these words were spoken by the prophet. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He's righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey. Riding on a donkey's colt. Even the specific detail of a donkey that hadn't been ridden. You may just end up fulfilling some prophecy. You want to find your calling? Here it is. Be faithful to Jesus today. You don't have to search for your calling. It will find you. Be faithful to Jesus, and he is going to open up the doors for what you will do next. We talk about this hope fund that um, we're, we're, we're getting into this January. Yeah, it's about giving. Yeah, it's about generosity. But we do this as a church because of who we are becoming as a church. We don't give just because we're checking off the box to do things. We give because we are becoming more and more a church filled with people of hope. Hope. And whatever your assignment is, whatever God is lining up for you to do, do it for his glory and not your own. Does it feel like donkey patrol? Be faithful. Be faithful. Be a good friend to someone who's hurting. Love your spouse when your spouse is difficult to love. Do something for another person and don't post it on social for others to see. Give thanks in the middle of a trial. If you're called to raise those babies, raise those babies to God's glory. If you're called to build a business, don't halfway do it. Do it first class. Do it with integrity. Don't let anyone tell you that building a business, or raising those babies, or working that nine to five, don't let anyone tell you that you're not serving God. Because whatever you're doing, do it for his glory. Be the person that God is making you to be. God is more concerned with who you are becoming than what you are doing. And even if it's donkey patrol, do it for the glory of God. We're not called to be important. We're called to be faithful. Therefore I, a prisoner serving for the Lord, 
beg you to live a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Those of you would say, I need God's help for this. We're going to move into a moment of prayer, and, and our worship team is going to help us out with this. There's some of us today who would say, man, I need God's help for this. Some of us would say, I want to live a life worthy of what God's called me to. If you want to live a life worthy of what God's called you to, lift your hand with mine. I want to live a life worthy of God's calling. Would you stand with me? Can we pray together? Bow your heads. God, I thank you. I thank you that because of the death of Jesus and because of your resurrection power, we're worthy. Not because of our goodness or because of what we've done, but because of your gift. So God, I pray that those of us who are raising our hands, you would flame, you would fan a flame of passion in us, that whatever we do, God, we do it for your glory. Wherever we are, I pray that all during this week and in the weeks and months to come, let us recognize and notice the Spirit's nudging, that we're called, we're equipped, we're empowered, we're chosen to represent the goodness and the love of Jesus in this world. Whether your head's bowed, some of you are kind of like, well, you know, that's not me at all. I don't know. I'm, I'm really not close to living a worthy life right now. Like, I, I don't even know how I would do it and get close to God and serve him or whatever. There's so many things that would have to be different for me, Nate. I don't even know if I could undo all the bad stuff I've ever done. If that's you, let me just stop everything and speak right to you right now. If you recognize that you're not in a relationship with God and that you're far away from him, I've got some really great news for you. You are one moment away. You're one prayer away from being transformed. You may feel unworthy. You may feel guilty. Let me just be very clear with you. Every single one of us has sinned against the Holy God. The guilt is real, but the goodness of God is more real and more powerful because his love overcomes our works of sin. Jesus, God's son, was perfect in every way. He never, ever sinned. He gave his life on a cross, and our God raised him from the dead so that anyone, and that includes you, who calls on his name, you will be forgiven, and you become brand new in a moment. And today, there's some of us here that recognize, I need God's grace. I need God's forgiveness. I want to know him. And the moment you call on him, the moment you turn from your sins, he hears your prayer and he forgives your sins and he makes you brand new. You've been searching, you've been longing. You know that there's something more to life. And it's here, his name is Jesus. He's real and he loves you. Those who would say, I need him, I want him turn from my sin. I give my life to him. That's your prayer. You say, Jesus, save me. If that's you. People, everybody's got their eyes closed. If that's you, say, I need Jesus. Just slip your hand up. Let's pray together.